Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig, your host, and joining me today is Kent Lester. Kent, how are you? Doing great. Enjoying the Hawaii weather. Good. Good. Well, you know, you told me when we, but before we started recording, you said you were out in Hawaii, and I'm stuck here with the Utah winter. And uh, well, let's just say it didn't, it didn't immediately favorably dispose me toward you, Kent. I'm just a little bit envious at the moment. It's not a great look for me. Okay. Well, you know, yes, the weather's nicer, but then you do have volcano eruptions as well. So that's that's probably the flip side that you you probably don't have to worry with in Utah. No, that's true. There you go. That's right. That's right. Pros and cons. All right. Well, Kent, uh, today we are talking about um, how you specifically and how someone generally might make the transition from nonfiction writing to fiction writing. Now, why is this uh, a topic that we want to talk about today? It's first of all, because it's my podcast and I get to do what I want. And this is a topic I'm interested in. So uh so every, every, you know if you don't like it skip this episode that's fine <laughs> but i think it's really interesting because i think nonfiction writing uh is a lot more common especially in today's world there are probably a lot of people listening to this right now or watching on youtube subscribe on youtube who are uh who, who are in the boat of hey you know i i do yeah, I, you know, I, I do blog posts, I do <laughs> memoirs or something like that. I don't know. But I, I suspect that that is more common than somebody who really sits down and buckles down and writes fiction. And so, but, but I know that there are a lot of people out there with ideas and aspirations for writing fiction. And I thought today would be a really cool conversation for how to think about making that shift and what, what sort of skills you can take with you from nonfiction writing to the fiction realm um, you know, what the pitfalls are going to be, that sort of thing. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we do that, though, I do want to remind everybody to uh, pop by thelegendarium.com. And that is where you can find uh, past episodes that we've done uh, sorted by author, by series, uh, by topic, whatever. Uh, so that's where you can find that stuff. You can also find links to our Discord server where you can join the conversation with uh, about 1,500 other rabid uh, readers, and it's the nicest corner of the internet, so please go check it out. And lastly, our Patreon page. If you enjoy our episodes, if you like what we do here, we would appreciate uh, you know throwing a buck in the tip jar. So go check out Patreon. Uh, it's all at thelegendarium.com. All right, so Kent, let's do a little more intro on you. Uh, people probably know you. I mean, everybody knows you as the author of, uh, what was it called? Contract, the Complete Guide to Contracting Your Home, right? That's right, yeah. That book's been out, <laughs> so, out for I mean, we've all got years. the copy on our bookshelf. Yes. That book's been out for 25 to 30 <laughs> years in about five different editions. So it's been around quite a while. Yeah. But that's just to, to give people an idea of, um, of what you were doing before. Any other nonfiction stuff that uh, that kind of jumps out from your career or is that the big one well that's the big one i i did dabble at one time in a remodeling book but uh i found that to be a little bit it didn't hit the sweet spot that the contracting book did you know everybody thinks about building their own house or 
being their own remodeling or contractor for their house construction. So it's been the construction book that's stood the test of time more than any of the others. But I did dabble around a little remodeling one time, but it just didn't fly as well as the other one. So it went out of print. The construction one. So that one, okay, so that's been the bread and butter. That's been paying the bills for a long time. And then you decided uh, uh, the the first fiction book that you published was about five years ago. So I assume a while before that, you started to get an itch. I want to I wanna write some fiction. I've got an idea for a story that I think would be really cool. Tell me how... Uh, why that uh, itch started up, um, how you were thinking about it at the time uh, before we get into the writing itself? Well, as most things go in life, it was one of those types of stupid, crazy ideas that one has on the spur of the moment. And as it turned out, I was sitting around with an old friend of mine and we were talking about book writing. And he said, well, why don't you write a novel since you've written this contracting book? And I thought, well, you know, they say that if you're going to write a novel, you need to write about what you know. So then we started as a joke, making a list of some of the weird, obscure things that I know a little something about. And so we went down the list and things like, well, I've used to scuba dive. I was an oceanography major in college. I know a little bit about biology. I know a little bit about construction. Uh, I'm sort of a computer nerd. And so basically I said, well, I'll have to write a book about those subjects. And that's basically where the premise for The Seventh Son came from, was me attempting to use all of this background knowledge that I already had in some way. But then I found out that Fiction writing is a completely different animal from uh, a nonfiction <laughs> writing. And it's much more difficult, you much don't more say. challenging. And I found that a lot of my skill sets didn't apply quite as well for fiction. So that was a very long and drawn out affair. But as most things, it starts with an ego and a crazy idea and a drink at a bar. So. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, all the best stories start with I was so wasted that I yes exactly. decided to write a novel yeah okay <laughs> I was so crazy um, that I decided to do this crazy uh, unfortunate <laughs> and fortunate thing that ended up changing my entire life so yeah well you went with the write what you know um idea and you started writing this uh you, you i assume you started thinking about characters and the outline of the story and all that stuff that's where i kind of want to start if you're going from nonfiction to fiction okay that's the the first thing that i came to mind for me is if i'm writing the complete guide well, I, i'm sorry i have to look at the title again the complete guide to contracting your home the forgive me <laughs> The uh, the structure kind of takes care of itself, yeah. uh, you know, as far as you you know, okay, you're going from A to Z. There's no home on this land to now there's a home on this land. And how did you get there? And who are you working with? And what are the steps you go through? So that structure, that outline for a book like that kind of takes care of itself. That's not to say it's not work. 
but it, it presents itself to you a little more organically or easily than a fiction story. So tell me about what it's like then to, uh, to outline a fiction book, how it was for you to, to make that shift to, I have to come up with everything out of whole cloth. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that was definitely a, a big part of the difficulty of learning this new skill was this idea of, well, how, how does one put together a whole story anyway? You know, by starting with the premise that I knew a little bit that I would stick to subjects that I knew something about, they gave me a little bit of a guide, but then I found that my ideas were bouncing all over the place. They really didn't have a whole lot of structure at the, in the beginning. So that, that was a lot of the learning process of learning how to be a fiction writer. And we say in the fiction writing field, there are two types of fiction writers. There's the planner, and then there's the pantser, person that flies by the seat of his pants and just basically lets so the So we call them discovery writers, yeah. The discovery writer. And so, you know, if, yeah. if you're first starting out and you've never done this before, you're really sort of a hybrid of both of those techniques to a certain degree. So I tried to outline the story, but I never had tried to outline a, a fictional story before, so I didn't really know how to do that. So a lot of it was flying by the seat of my pants. There was a whole lot of rewriting. There was a whole lot of angst. There was a whole lot of creative process and a whole lot of trash can chapters before the story started to take shape. But you reach a certain critical mass where there's enough going on in the story that then the story starts to write itself a little bit. The, the pieces mm. begin to connect in ways that, surprise you as the writer and then it leads you down a different path that maybe you hadn't thought of before and that's sort of what happened that this was a long process this was sort of a labor of love and of hate too <laughs> um <laughs> of trying to write the story so uh but it does a, a good story evolves over time basically or at least mm. the, the stories that I like to read. I, I should tell people we um, the book that we're talking about, uh, the book that you wrote is called The Seventh Son, um, and that, wow. that's been out for a few years now, and it's a thriller novel. Um, I, I think I read somewhere it's a science-based thriller novel in some ways. It's not necessarily science fiction like our audience would be used to the concept, uh, right. but there are some scientific concepts involved, right? Um so, so you went to a thriller book. So let me ask you this. Um, did you feel like you were reinventing the wheel structurally? Or did you take um, kind of the, the arc of the story from stuff that you had read and stuff that you had loved um, and just say, hey, okay, this is a great flow for, okay, I need this scene here. I need this. Okay, I've got my inciting incident. I've got my info dump, I've got my crescendo, whatever, you know, so did you pull in structure, structural ideas from elsewhere? Or did you kind of sit down and say, I'm just gonna, you know, write how I want to write and, and not necessarily reference anybody else? Well, that's a good question. Because uh, I'll have to make a little bit of a confession here. When I first began writing this story, I had read very few novels. 
I had read very little fiction, mm. basically a nonfiction guy. I read a lot of magazines, a lot of books, uh, nonfiction books. I didn't really have a large background of fiction knowledge under my belt before I started. And so that made the process a lot harder in the beginning, but it also sort of freed me from some of the formulas because if you go and you read books on how to write fiction, they, they try to give you a, a checklist or a formula or a recipe to use, which means that all your stories end up being a lot alike because everyone's trying to hit those same uh, plot points at every, at certain parts of the book. You know, there are some books that say, oh, you have to uh, divide your book up into three acts or five acts. And then certain things are supposed to happen at each act and uh, transfer over to the next story. But I found that to be far too confining. And because I didn't really know what I was doing, I was sort of free to try something different. So the book is a little bit different in the way it, it builds its uh, suspense over time than I would say a typical book. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier, it's trade-offs, right? Uh, in Hawaii, you've got volcanoes. In Utah, right. we've got earthquakes. Um, and so there, there's always going to be trade-offs. There's, yeah, I mean, we have the word formulaic for a reason, right? So if somebody's following a formula, right. it can feel formulaic. However, the trade-off on the positive side is you can probably rip through a book pretty quick if you want to write it that way. Yes. If you've got a formula figured out, you, it can speed you up. Did you feel like, it, well, I guess I should just ask you straight out, how long did it take you to write that first book? Did it feel like uh, <laughs> an eternity? Yes, it was an eternity, literally and figuratively. Uh, I probably <laughs> started this book back in the, oh my gosh, as early as the late 80s. And this book sat on the shelf for a long period of time and it would go through little growth phases or, or little evolutionary spurts now and then. And then I would throw out a whole bunch of the book and go back and rewrite it. And then it would end up being a completely different mm. animal as it evolved over time. But yes, uh, you know, when, when you don't know what you're doing and you don't have a plot device, then it does slow down the whole process quite a bit. So, uh, but yeah. the the flip side of that is you get you end up with a very unique story. It's sort of like evolving a new creature with a whole new set of rules, rather than being based on some other creature that has come before. So, I think most people who have commented on the the Seventh Son have mentioned that it's very unusual and it's it's fresh to them. It's got sort of a fresh mm. plot structure that's a little bit different than they're used to seeing. But I'm also very big on having all my loose threads come together at the end of the story. I think that's the key, is you, you want the reader to leave with the oh, feeling I mean, that's, that all the, the time they spent reading the story was for a good reason that made sense at the end. And then, I, I okay, so now I want to shift gears. We've talked about the structure, the outline, how you go about that, but let's talk about characters because this is 
obviously, well, I should say this is probably the most different thing about writing fiction versus nonfiction, where if you're writing nonfiction, I mean, for the most part, uh, I suppose if you're writing a biography, maybe it's a little different, but a lot of nonfiction, you're writing as yourself. Hey, here are the lessons I've learned, or hey, here's, you know, these tips and tricks that I've got for you, or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, you know, here's this historical fact I want to show you. In fiction, you're now writing as someone else. And I'm, I want to get your thoughts on that transition, how difficult that was. Um, and, and if that was part of what made it an eternity is, you know, coming up with these differentiated characters and putting them on the page. Yes, yes. And yes, because I, I think this is also why a lot of authors say that their characters are always, to a certain degree, a reflection of themselves, because that's where you start your, your reference, is, you you know, what would I do in a case? What would I do if I was in the hero's position? And so most characters have a little bit of your own personality in there, even when you break the rules. I mean... I don't want people to think that the characters are, you know, just a formulaic version of the writer, but there's always going to be a little bit of the writer's influence in there. And I think, uh, in my particular case, I had a female character that I felt very self-conscious about writing a female character, you know, because I wanted to be able to represent that character in a, in a good way and do an accurate job. So one of the ways I got around that was I sort of did a role reversal. My male character is more of the thoughtful uh, person who sits back, sort of the straight man of the group. And it is my female character that's sort of the swashbuckling adrenaline junkie. So basically one of my solutions to writing a female was to write the female like from the standpoint of a male. So my female from, yeah, from your your perspective on that. Yes, and you know I, th- I think you've, we've seen that a lot in movies recently. There's been a lot more uh, movies that have featured adventurous female characters, robust female characters that can really go out there and kick some butt or whatever they need to do in a particular situation. So the characters was one of the really tough parts for me to learn as a nonfiction author, because you're right. As a nonfiction author, you're, you're just representing the facts as yourself and you're not having to make up a story. Basically fiction is lying. It's very convincing lying where Nonfiction, hopefully, is telling the truth if you're doing it right. So learning how to lie convincingly was one of the toughest challenges for me as a fiction writer, I think. And of course, the you know building off of that idea, ultimately, you want your fiction to tell a truth or you know an, an indefinite article truth <laughs> by lying about you know the 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 definite article the truth whatever exactly. i don't know I, it's all it's making sense in my head okay kent <laughs> <laughs> um 
All right, so let's let me ask you two very very broad questions, and if your answer is going to be a repeat of what we've already talked about, you can just say, you know, we already talked about that. But basically, what was the hardest thing about making the switch, and then also what was the easiest thing? What was the skill that did transfer? Um, you know, when you made the jump. Well, the skill that transferred the easiest was the, the factual part, obviously. Uh, I picked yeah. some subject matter that I knew a little bit of something about. I was an oceanography major in college, so I knew a little bit about oceanography, the weather, uh, tectonic plates, volcanism, stuff like that. So the easiest part was making my story realistic. The hardest part was making my story adventurous. Because reality is usually not as big of an adventure as the stories that we like to read for entertainment. So setting and character are probably the two areas where a nonfiction writer has to spend the most time really thinking about. Because that's not normally something that you have to work on if you're writing nonfiction. You're just basically telling the reader a set of facts I'm trying to guide that reader through an idea where in fiction, you're right. You're, you're, you still, you're still trying to tell the reader something valuable, but you're telling them something valuable through the lens of a false story, which makes it even harder because now you're sort of mixing fact and fiction together in the sort of amalgam. So it was, it was a real, and this gets, sorry, go ahead. It, it, it's really both challenging and difficult, but it's also very exciting because I found it very interesting to sort of learn how you could sort of represent an idea indirectly, sort of, you're speaking indirectly in, in sort of rhyme or in some other indirect way to get a truth across to a reader. This is kind of what we were talking about before we hit the button to start recording. Uh, the eternal law of podcasting forever yeah. and ever will always be that the most interesting stuff is before and after you record. <laughs> but you were kind of talking about this, the idea of, of fiction being a vehicle for ideas that is in... In some cases, for many people, more effective than uh, than the more straightforward vehicle of nonfiction. So you have an idea, and if you present it in a fictional environment, it's somehow more palatable. It, remind me what it was that you had said about that. Well, uh, I can give you a good example. I think in the real world of hmm. this phenomenon, which is Game of Thrones. You know, everybody loves Game of Thrones because it was a very realistic, it posed a very realistic world and story. And in fact, I remember when I first started watching it, thinking to myself, you know, this seems more realistic than some of these historical movies that I've seen about the Middle Ages. And yet the yeah. Game of Thrones is completely made up. So uh, the Game of Thrones did an excellent job of sort of telling a truth through a fictional environment and through a fictional story in a way that was sometimes more effective than some of these historical movies where you go back and look at 
the actual, the real Middle Ages, because it's really hard for people to know what life was really like during that time. So that 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 really stuck with me, I think, a lot by watching Game of Thrones is how well fiction can tell a fact sometimes, but in a from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You, uh, as you're saying this, it's reminding me of another idea that has popped into my head around these lines, which is when we're talking about transmitting an idea or transmitting truth through the lens of fiction, um, it brings up another concept that's worth thinking about. If somebody's thinking about writing a book, especially if they've written nonfiction before, but you know, even if they haven't, and that's the idea of knowing who your audience is. And I'm curious where you came down in your journey on this sort of thing. Um, When you're writing a nonfiction book, uh, like, I don't know, something like The Complete Guide to Contracting Your Home. Uh, If you're writing that book, you know who your audience is. You know, as a rule, roughly, kind of what stage of life they're in and uh, what sort of steps they're going to need to go through and uh, what their concerns will be. and So you have a really clear idea of who you're writing to. Does that shift when you're writing fiction? Does, does your scope suddenly broaden and say, I need to write something that's going to appeal to a lot more people than that niche audience that I was targeting before? Well, that, that's probably where my lack of fiction writing and reading experience came in, you know, not really knowing how Mm. to do this job when I first started it, I was sort of forced to write the type of book that I would like to read. It's very Mm. hard to sort of figure out what a reader is looking for because readers are looking for a lot of different things and the stories that they read. That's why we have variety, but I had to write a story that, was one that I would enjoy reading, which (laughs) may or may not make it as commercially successful as it should be, because I'm sort of a weird dude anyway. I'm a a little bit of a, uh, (laughs) a, have a broad set of interests and I like books that sort of intrigue me and get my brain working in a lot of different ways. And probably the hardest part for me was to take the textbook out of the story. My wife used to tell me yeah. when I was in my early drafts, says, are you writing a novel or are you writing a textbook? And I said, well, I'm sort of writing both, <laughs> I guess, but really it should be more of a fun novel. So a lot of the success of the book was about filtering out a lot of the textbook material and going more with the interesting material. And I think, the sequel to The Seventh Son, which is The Third Instinct, I've been able to to learn that that game a little bit better and do a little bit better job of, of sort of telling a tale that's not only accurate to a certain degree, but also very entertaining at the same time with the elements of suspense that you would want to have in a story. I, if... if um... <laughs> If I've learned anything from Hollywood, it's that the shortcut there to take the textbook out of your novel is to make a really nerdy character who knows all this stuff. And as soon as they start, uh, you know, info dumping, have another character tell them to shut up. 
Exactly. <laughs> Nobody cares. Let's go on an adventure. <laughs> exactly. That that is in my case, I had my wife doing it to me, so telling me to shut up. So, so that and you were well. you were the nerdy character. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kent, let's, uh, as we wrap up this conversation, I do want to point people toward your books. Uh, the first one, I guess we've mentioned both of them. There's The Seventh Son. Uh, maybe we haven't mentioned. The new one is, uh, is called Third The Third Instinct. Instinct. Um, and these are thriller books that are, uh, the, the second is a, uh, it's a sequel to the first, but you're calling it kind of a standalone independent sequel in a way. Something that can be read on its own. Um, right. it, tell tell me a little more about these books. Well, um, they're both science fiction. In fact, I, I tend to look at the writer Michael Crichton as a good example of the type of stories that I like to write. I like the science fiction, but I like what I call near science fiction. Uh, Fiction, mm. science that is fiction right now, but will become fact very soon. So if you write near science fiction, most of the science fiction part of the story will probably become factual very quickly. The advantage to that is sometimes your stories, your fictional stories can end up becoming true in real life faster than you think it would. For instance, the... The first book, The Seventh Son, sort of predicted the COVID pandemic to a certain degree, even though that was obviously not my intention. This was written before the pandemic happened. But it, but a lot of that happened because of the facts that I was using to back up my story were real. And so they sort of reflected the real world. And so a lot of the danger when I was sitting there thinking, what what would scare somebody? What what would make someone interested in the story about a pandemic? And so I started putting some of that stuff in the story. And then, of course, since it was based on fact, when the pandemic came along, it was sort of frighteningly similar to what I had written in fiction. And I think the third instinct does that to a certain degree as well, but le less of a it's a less sciencey book. It's more about relationships and what the truth is and how we find out what the truth really is when in a haystack of falsities. So each, hmm. each story has a slightly different approach to a subject that affects us all to a certain degree. Because we all have yeah. to worry what what's fact and what's fiction. Uh, I was going to say one of them was uh, prescient and the other is, um, well, it's what, what's the uh, what's the present form of prescient? I am not exactly sure. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, it sounds applicable. We'll just go with applicable. Yes, applicable. Uh, so, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I, I hope people will go check it out. I will link to your website below, but it's simply kentlester.com. Uh, people can go check that out. You can also pick up your copy of uh, you know the complete guide to contracting your home if you're thinking about building a home. That's there too. So uh, people should go check that out. Um, yeah, go, go grab a copy of your books. Kent, thank you so much for joining us. 